0: Amen. Once again, we like to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here. We welcome you today. Amen. And if you are watching us on TheAntioch.com, we welcome you today in our broadcast. We pray that you're blessed by what you see, hear, and feel. Amen. Praise God. One other thing I'd like to mention, we'd like to welcome uh, Brother Jeff Alex and Sister Katie Vogler Over here to my left, they're newly transferred here to the Arnold congregation, so we welcome them. Amen. Praise God. Some of you will remember Brother uh, Jeff Alex. He grew up here. He actually came to school here. To what grade, Jeff Alex? Fifth grade. He was at any Christian school when we had a school here. He came. He was a part of the school, and then uh, he, he, um, about a decade ago, had moved to California, found himself a wife. And uh, the Lord has transferred them back here, so we want to make sure they feel welcome. And it's so great to have them apart. Amen. Praise God. I am, um, I am terrible at holiday messages, so I don't even try. Uh, because ultimately, I say that half joking, half serious. Because ultimately, it's it's not really fair to try to fit a message into a holiday, because unless the Lord is telling you to do that, I'm not very good at sermonizing. And so uh, I apologize today that I don't have a very good Father's Day, love your Father, be a Father, Jesus is your Father type message. Uh, But I want to talk to you for just a few moments today on something that has really been uh, churning over in my heart the last Week or so, especially dealing with some circumstances, conversations I've had, it seems to be a theme uh, that has run its course uh, during all of that. And if you look throughout Scripture, that really runs from Genesis to Revelation, there are there are a lot of themes, a lot of threads that will you can find woven throughout all. 66 books of the Bible, uh, but there are certain ones, in my opinion, in studying uh, the Scripture. There are certain ones that seem to always rise to the top. That seems to be some that are always uh, dealt with. Almost for almost literally in every book of the Bible, you can see it mentioned, and uh, some. Have kind of shadowy approaches where you can find themes, but they 're not always as clear but but there are some things that almost in all sixty six books of the bible you have you can see it mentioned um, almost directly and and one of those i 'd like to just take a few moments and talk to you about today because I've been around long enough now to know this is not a 100% answer, even though you would think it would be a 100% answer. But my my prayer, my desire would be, if you're here today, that the number one goal in your life, if you're here today, is to make it to heaven. I want to be successful, I want to be a, have a... I want to be a good, good family man. I want to have a lot of things in my life that, that, are, that are nothing wrong with them. But ultimately, the number one goal in my life, as far back as I can remember, I remember praying this as a, even as a, as a young child when I didn't even really grasp totally what I was praying, but really something that's been a theme in my life is, Lord, above all else, I've got to be saved. And you would think today that we're in a church. So obviously, if you're in a church today, that your desire, because you're coming to church, would be to make it to heaven, to be saved. But unfortunately, we are creatures of habit, and um, sometimes we are here, basically, because it's something that we do, uh, and not something that we truly are living in. And there's something to be said about what is going to be the defining characteristic of those who make it to heaven and those who not. And, and let me just lay a foundation here just for a moment. I, I know this is, for a lot of you, this is kind of like a, 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 an obvious statement, but, but in today's world, this is becoming less and less obvious. There is a heaven and there is a hell. I know that statement for some of us is like, well, you know, we know that. But today's world, that's not exactly uh, 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 a a definitive statement anymore. In fact, there are very, very prominent, very prominent uh, 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 preachers that were extremely successful. One particular uh, man, I followed him for years, a tremendously anointed, powerful man, powerful singer, just absolutely, we sing some of his songs even here uh, in church that uh, just a few years ago came to a revelation that there is no hell, that, that really hell is what you're experiencing here on earth, and there really is no hell. But The fact of the matter is, if you read the Gospels and you read the writings of Jesus especially, he mentions heaven and hell about as much as he mentions anything else. And the reason why we don't talk about it, the reason why I'm not here today to talk about heaven and hell, but I'm trying to get you to understand where we're going, but the reason why we've come talk about it, because we really don't want to take responsibility for our actions. We really want to have the ability to live how we want to live, do what we want to do, you know, believe what we want to believe, go where we want to go, and, and, and in the end, it's all okay, and so we've justified it, and the only way to really justify it, because To justify that kind of lifestyle, you gotta, you gotta do two things. You've, you've gotta. You've got to argue the fact that there is no sin, which now people are, are, are arguing that, that sin is an arbitrary thing. It, it, it's, it, it's not really something that you, can, that you can objectively quantify, but it's really something that really sin is just kind of what you feel is right and what's wrong. And, and the Bible is not really there to tell us what's wrong. It's really there just to kind of be a, an overarching moral foundation for what you believe. And so we're, they're eliminating sin, and then if you eliminate sin well, there's really no reason to punish unforgiven sin. So if you eliminate sin, then by default, you can just move forward and eliminate hell. But the Bible says one astounding verse of Scripture, it said, hell hath enlarged itself. We're making hell smaller, but according to the Word of God, they're under a construction project. They're expanding. We're trying to eliminate it, and there's no elimination going on. Hell never goes through recession. It doesn't have to downsize. It, it's constantly expanding because, because sin is something, whether or not you can quantify it in your own words, sin is sin. And unfortunately, the Bible says all have sinned. So it's not just sin because, well, I don't really do anything quite that wrong. You know, I've been saved for quite a while now, and I've kind of moved above that. and I live a pretty moral lifestyle. But unfortunately, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every day if you I don't care how long you've been saved but every day if you don't find some time in that day Hopefully it's not just once but at least once sometime during that day where you can stop and say Lord I'm asking you Lord to forgive me of sin in my life We say well, I don't know what hey the Bible says because of this stuff right here This this stuff when you pinch it it hurts. That's called flesh as long as that's still attached to your bones Sin is just going to happen. I've said this before. Sometimes people blame sin on a product of the environment, but I'm convinced now humans are to the point where if you put me in a concrete bunker with no windows and you, you didn't even put a door, you just put me in there and then sealed the walls in concrete. And you put a metal chair in the middle of that room. And I had no electricity, no attachment to the outside world, and, and somehow magically you created some way for me never to get hungry or whatever. But I could live in that room. I guarantee you, with nothing around me, I'm going to sin. You know why? Because I'm telling you, me more than likely about week two, I'm going to start arguing with God. Why am I in this bunker? God, you've forsaken me. You're just—I mean, somewhere along the line, it's just the part of the. Nature of what we are—you can't pray enough to get over sin in your life. You can pray enough where your flesh gets to the point where you're not just some ravaged person. The Bible says that we can walk in the Spirit, have the mind of the Spirit. So I'm not saying that you can't live a holy lifestyle, but the fact of the matter is we can't eliminate sin. And so if we can't eliminate sin, then there's got to be a place. That sin is punished because the Bible says no flesh will glory in his presence and the fruit of flesh is sin. And we're talking here today, right, church? So again, we got kind of sidetracked there, but the point of the matter is there is a heaven and a hell. There is a heaven and hell. No matter what you've been told, no matter how someone's tried to spin it, all roads don't lead to Jesus. Some roads lead somewhere else. The Bible says, "Straight is the way, narrow is the gate." It didn't say it's a multiple choice question. So, I say all that to say that the foundation, the the the, the desire why you first even came to a church, why you even first came to an altar, the 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 the, the root of that was a desire to be saved because you acknowledged you were lost. But what sustains someone, because can I be honest, and I've said this before as a joke, but it's, it's, a, it's a big joke, and, and especially in the light of today's society, it, 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 I, I don't mean the offense by it, but it would be better for a lot of us, including me, if the moment I was baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, came out of that water, that you would shoot me and knock me out dead. I love life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love living. But I want to make it to heaven, and that would be the best way to get there, right? Because I know when I come out of that water, and I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and I come out of that water, the moment I break that water, I am saved. Shoot me now, because if I stay here any longer than 10 seconds, I'm going to mess it up. But unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, a little of both, I guess, God chooses to leave us here. Imagine that. And some of us, you know, after a while of living, you know, you're here for, you know, you're one, you're five. Some now are counting, no longer counting in singles. You're starting to count by tens. Now some of you have been here so long, you forgot how to count, you just know I've been here for a long time, trust me. I was talking to Brother uh, uh, Joe Linekamp, Senior, and we were just chatting, and I had kind of known this, but didn't realize And and we were talking, he got saved when he was 16. And how old are you now, Brother Linekamp, do you mind sharing, and you're not a woman, you can share, right? 51. 51, He he got saved at 16, he shared 51. That's awesome, first of all, that's awesome. There are a lot of people who came in that period of time and gone. But the problem is, here's a guy that's been saved for that period of time, and here, are that period of time. So there is a potential. Can God come any moment? Yes. Yeah, technically, yes. But there is a potential. You and I are going to have to continue to live this life. And, and there's, a, there's this, like, overwhelming, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say, Fear is not a word, because God's not the author of fear, but I'll say concern in my life, right? That, that, I, that I, I spend all my time, now now 30, almost 35 years of life, living this life. And I say that, uh, that sounds terrible, like I, I'm, I'm trapped. I mean, I'm desiring to live this life, okay? Let's put that out there. I'm not, uh, you know, lately we've run across a few people, I'm just going to throw this out here, and hopefully they're watching, that have accused me especially, of being brainwashed. You're just doing that because you're brainwashed. Okay, 35 years of brainwashed. Man, that's pretty intense. I choose to do this because it's my desire. In fact, I, I'm so far past the brainwashed scale. If you know me at all, my problem is not that I'm brainwashed. My problem is I, I'm too unwashed, I guess. Too much Joel still living in here. And so... Uh, uh, um, After 35 years, there's a concern for me, me, I'll just use me because that's the safest thing. There's a concern for me that 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 what happens to me if 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 this is the finish line. Right. This is it. Right. I've lived all this life and here's the finish line. To, to to the end of all this this is this is crossing over from mortality to immortality from heaven to hell when your name is called whether it's in natural death or in, or, or in the rapture and you've got that crossover and you've made it right you've lived this life you've fought your fight as Paul said you've run your course and, and now there's laid up to you treasures I and mean, you've done what God's called you to do this exciting moment that you finally made there's a concern of mine that, that I'm only going to be one step away and then Turn away. Or, or be so close to, 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 to finally experiencing what I believed all these years and, and, then, and get sidetracked. And Paul said it. Even Paul, the, the great apostle Paul, had this concern in his life because he said, woe be it unto me. Woe. That's what he was saying. He literally said, Whoa. I don't know if he had a mirror he was looking in one day. He's like, man, what good is it? If I help everybody else get there, but in the end, I find myself a castaway and there's this like concern of mine for my soul, my own life that I, that I stand here every week, and my desire my 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 heartbeat is every week to to seek God and not not to just Thumb my hand on the Bible and say, "Okay, did, 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 there's a good starting point. Let's just preach that." But to really seek God, to what you want to say to help you and your family and your friends and your neighbors get to heaven, but to do all that, and in the end, I, I'm 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 the the rich man in the parable of Jesus. I'm I'm down there asking Lord, just send a drop of water to parch my tongue. But but I, as I begin to meditate this week and talk about these things, there's something that that I feel like is a preventative measure that has to be in place that keeps this from taking place. Because Jesus even alluded to it as a very, uh, I'll use the word famous, um, passage of Scripture... Uh, in, in, in the book of Matthew, it's called the Beatitudes. And it, w- it was a sermon that Jesus gave, and, and, and they, he goes through a lot of things, blessed are the meek, and all this kind of stuff. And if you've ever read it, I encourage you to go read it, and, and, and it's been preached about many, many times. It's tremendous things in there about life and living. But he mentions something in the sixth verse of Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are they. Which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, the fundamental part of you and I as human beings that sustains us. Not only the first, the first thing, obviously, is 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 our internal mechanism that causes our brain to fire to say to our lungs to open and causes us to take in air either through our mouth or our nose and that breath sustains us but but outside of the fundamental need for air there's something god given inside of us that was put in us at creation that is nec- it is totally necessary for you and i to live life and that is the desire for food and for liquid. And your body is so in tune with that desire that your body will begin to tell you when you are in need of certain things. Your body will begin to tell you when you're short. I don't know if you ever had this time before, maybe you have, but you ever crave like something salty? You've created something, you've, you've, cra- you've craved certain things. Now, I don't know if there's any nutritional value in chocolate chip cookies. So I'm not, let's not go that far. But there's certain times your body is deficient in certain areas, so you crave certain things. Because your body is so in tune with itself that it understands the need to be filled because if it's not filled and taken care of, your body cannot properly function and it doesn't matter how many dreams you have, how many desires how good of a person you are, how much you desire to help everybody, how good you are at your job, how much money you have. If you don't eat, you don't live. You can be the greatest person walking. But if you don't eat, you don't live. You can be the smartest person ever. But if you don't drink, you don't live. That the fundamentals of life that, that are at the basis of life, it doesn't matter who you are from the richest and the greatest houses in the world. I read this the other day. This guy in, in India, I think he's a media mogul. He's got a billion dollar house. And it's like, it's like, I don't know how many, like 20 stories tall. It's like oh, It looks like an office structure in the middle of the city. And it's his house. He's got staff. It's incredible. That guy right there with all that money in that house can't make it without food. All his money, he can't make it without food. All the way down to the, to the, the poorest of poor that even in this country go hungry, can't make it without food. Think about that. And Jesus said, listen, because God always use the natural body to illustrate the spiritual fundamentals. You read throughout Scripture, there's so many times where God uses natural bodily functions to illustrate spiritual principles. And he said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst. That it doesn't matter how good of a person you are in this room, that that there's got to be in the foundation of who you are spiritual hunger because you see it's the hunger for God that keeps you going and sustains you through the years of walking with him because you see your body is designed not only your natural body but your spiritual body is is designed to get hungry you're gonna eat you're going to eat. I, I, I've, told, I've, said this, I've told this story before. Uh, I, I, I have a very, let me say, some people call it a picky palate. I, used, I, I prefer to call it a sensitive palate. I'm not a very adventurous type person. You can have all that crazy adventurous food. Let's just take it and keep it simple, okay? We don't need to add all that other stuff into that. We don't need to get all out there. Let's just keep it simple. But i be—I got to be honest with you. There have been times in my life, a few times, where I was hungry enough, I was willing to forego my fundamental uh, uh, sensitivities of, and was willing to eat anything that was available to me. And several years ago, I was put to the test on that because I was in the country of Georgia not the state, too bad. Not the state, the country. Actually, not Georgia, Kyrgyzstan. I wish it was Georgia. Kyrgyzstan. If you know where a Kyrgyzstan is, it's okay. They don't even know where they are. It's, <laughs> it's rough. And, and we, we were in a situation that we went to the capital city, and, and that's kind of like a ha-ha thing, because the capital city, it was just, it, it was It was rough. And then on top of that, we took a four hour bus ride outside of the capital city. I mean, even the thought of anything half decent to eat left four hours ago. And and I I have become very intelligent when I travel. I travel very heavy because I bring clothes and I bring a suitcase with food. (laughs) I'm prepared. Be prepared. But the problem is, and this is how bad I'm telling you, pray for me. Usually when I leave, if I'm going someplace where I know the, the food choices are going to be a little suspect, I look at, my, at the amount of food I have and the amount of days I'm going to be there, and then I ration my food to make sure I don't run out. The problem was, we were in a situation, because we were only, like a, we were only like an hour from the border of China, and I say we're in the middle of nowhere. We, we were in the middle of nowhere. I, I don't know how they even found this place. My food... Ration quickly got depleted. And we were in this one spot for four days. And I ran out of food quickly. And you only could go so far on peanut butter crackers and stuff like that. It just only takes you so far. And I, I was really just, I needed some food. And so we, we had to go to another place. We, did, we were doing another conference. And so we went out to another city. And by that time I was getting hungry. And and finally, they 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 were very they were very, very kind to us. And I mean that sincere. They're very kind. But the next day we get up, we go to the conference, and they're gonna feed us lunch. And so at that point in time, I was really starting to get hungry. My mind was starting to play tricks on me, and it'd been a while since I had anything of substance. And so that day I was I was really getting to that point where we're talking about before, I'm willing to eat anything. And so finally, after we got done, we go out into this kind of like outside area, and they've got this giant pot. And I I mean, just giant pot, like this big around. And they had... I don't know where they even got the stuff. They just poured all kinds of stuff in there, and they had... It looked like decent meat at first when I saw it. But they're stirring... I mean, it's like stirring that thing. I mean, this is like some kind of industrial-sized cooking pot. And they're cooking... And so finally they dip this little plastic bowl and give me some, you know, and I'm like, you know what, I'm willing to eat anything now. So I go to eating it. And some precious person in their sincerity came up to me and asked me if I liked what I was eating. I should have just stopped them there. I should have said, you know what, it's great, great. Shh, don't tell me what it is. Please don't tell me what it is. And they said to me, Do you like what you're just saying? Yeah, it's it's not bad. And, and at that point, I really was hungry, and it, it was, I was just eating. And he, said, he said, yeah, we love goat. <laughs> at that moment, when I heard the word goat, and you may love goat, and you may just love it. God bless you if you love goat. But at that moment, in my sensitivity, I had to determine how hungry I truly was. And you know what? I got to admit, I was so hungry. I just looked back down at my little goat floating in my uh, floating in my bowl, and I decided, you know what? A little bit of goat is better than going hungry. And I dipped my little spoon back down in there and grabbed me a big chunk of goat. Opened up my mouth and just kept eating my goat because that's how it operates. Is that you get hungry? The problem is. Why did, if, if, I'm going to time, I wish I had time to go into the story, but there's, there's a story in the Bible. There was two twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the oldest. And in the Bible, that the oldest got the birthright to everything. I mean, he, had the, he got everything. And so Esau was older than Jacob, even though they were twins, in just a few moments. But that few moments of birth order made the difference. And Esau got the birthright. And it was a very substantial thing. But the story goes that he ends up selling his birthright to Jacob for some soup. And the thought the other, a while back the thought hit me, why did he sell his birthright? He sold his birthright because he allowed himself to get hungry. And when you get hungry, you'll eat anything. No matter the consequences. He allowed himself get hungry and he was willing to give up his birthright because he got hungry. You see, when you allow yourself to get hungry, you're going to eat something. And unfortunately, when you allow yourself to get hungry, you're going to eat things that aren't spiritually good for you. And you start going to get filled on things that aren't godly. Because he said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. So it's not just hungering and thirsting is the thing, but it's the hunger and thirst after the right thing. And watch what happens here. I'm almost done. Watch what the promise he gave to us. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said this. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly. That empty place inside, that's what that word belly means. It means literally an emptiness inside of you. Out of this empty place shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but he spake this of the Spirit, which was not belie- what, uh, which they that believe in him should receive. The Holy Ghost was not given yet because that Jesus had not been glorified. Verse 37, go back to verse 37. There's three words in there that are key in verse 37. Number one, thirst. Number two, come. Number three, drink. To get something from God, there's got to be a step. First is acknowledging you need something. The second thing is you've got to go after it. And the third thing is when you go after it, you've got to take it. We've actually switched the order around. We've switched the order around that, okay, God, you've got water. Come to me because you should acknowledge I'm thirsty. He said, no, 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 no. If you're thirsty, you, because what's the word come connotate? Action. What's action? Action is faith. So there's the need and there's the faith and there's the receiving of the need through faith. So it's one thing to come to church. It's one thing to be in this place. But that's why so many of us can come here week after week after week after week and leave unsatisfied. And you only can take that so much before you become so unsatisfied. You start looking outside of these four walls for something to get a hold of. Because you're hungry inside and you want something to satisfy you. But when you come in this place, you acknowledge, Lord, I've come today and I'm thirsty in my heart. I'm thirsty in my soul i'm thirsty in my spirit and when the opportunity is given whether it's in worship whether it's in praise whether it's in prayer your acknowledgement is lord i'm, I'm seeking after you my faith is reaching after you so that eventually he can bring that back down and let you drink but later isaiah 41 verse 17 what put it up on the screen if you would isaiah 41 Verse seventeen. Watch this. When the poor and needy, when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Leave that up there. I want you. To, this is what that that those that verse means. It says when the poor. That word poor means depressed. And the needy, that means the destitute. Seek. This is what the word seek means. It means to search out by any method, specifically worship and prayer. By implication, it means to strive after, to ask, to beseech, to desire, to inquire, to get, to make inquisition, to procure, to request, require, to seek for. So it says, those that are here today that depressed, downtrodden and you've reached the point of despair if you would seek after me if you would reach after me if you would if you would through prayer and worship open up your heart to me because you haven't found anything to satisfy your thirst you haven't found anything to to fill that 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 desire in your heart he said i the lord will hear them i the lord of of his, of the god of israel will not forsake them. Next verse, watch this. then he starts to prophesy what's going to happen. I will open up rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. Oh, I'm prophesying to somebody. I know it's scripture. Somebody needs to hear me. And for fountains in the midst of the valleys, I will make the wilderness a wilderness, a wilderness, an empty place, a desolate place, a dark place. I'm going to take your bottom part and make it a pool of water. I'm going to take the place that almost killed you and make it the place that gives you life. I know it's Father's Day, but but come on, somebody help me just for a few minutes here. And the dry land, the dry land, the place that you couldn't find anything in from that place. I'm going to bring up springs of water. Next verse. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the shido tree and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert. Notice what this is amazing. You notice the theme? He says, if you acknowledge that you're depressed and in despair and you seek me, this is incredible. He's not going to pick you out of where you are and take you to some utopia. In some oasis, some five-star resort, plop you down by the pool and said, here, you made it. He said, I'm gonna meet you right where you are and make your desolate place, your empty place, your place of despair, your place of wilderness, your dark place. I'm gonna make that place, not the place where you think I'm taking you. I'm taking you where you are. I'm gonna make that place. And we'll set in the desert, the fir tree, and the pine, and the box tree together. Next verse. uh, There you go. That they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. He said, right where you are today, Right where you're living, right in the midst of your misery, I'm not coming down. You see, that's the greatness of God is he, he doesn't always come and take us and remove us out of the situation. He said, I'm going to come right down where you're living and take that situation that you thought was the end. I'm going to create life out of that. That's why, if you notice, you look back on your life, those of you that live for God, the things you thought were the, the things that were going to kill you the most are the things that got you to where you are. That song, a who sings it, that song that says, I'm stronger, I'm wiser, I never would have made it. All the things, I wouldn't go back and change again, but all that stuff that I went through, it's why I'm here today. All the valleys I went through, because it was the valleys. Why? The the wilderness, the desert, what does it do? Oh, I'm I'm, i I'm laying in the plane. Watch what happens, ready? If you're in a desert place, what does that cause inside of you? It ain't hard, folks. Thirst, right? When you get thirsty, you're going to desire to drink. So you know what that means? Sometimes God in his mercy... When we get filled and spiritually obese, and we don't need anything else, he said, let me just take you out into a wilderness, into a desert place. And we go wandering out in the wilderness and the desert place for a little while. And when we're out there for a little bit, all of a sudden, where there used to be no hunger and thirst, now we're saying, God... I don't care how you come. I don't care when you come, but Lord, down inside, I've got to have something from you fresh and new in my life today. And that's why God can take those places of emptiness and barrenness and produce such greatness. If the Israelites would have had what I hold in my hand while they were in the wilderness, they would have never suffered Quite the way they did. Because the Bible says they got up every day and, had, and manna was out there. But God, that's so tired of the manna that they asked for meat. But if they would have had what I have in my hand today, they would have never, never asked at all for anything else. Because there's such sustaining power in what I have in my hand. There's such life-giving power in what I have in my I mean, you can smell the power that's in this. Woo! Woo! Hey! 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 Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what happens? When there's something good available. You don't care where it comes from. You don't care who's got it in their hands. Would you like one? Uh, All of a sudden now. (laughs) It'd be the best message ever preached right here, right? You see, what happened? When I... I just got to get anointed here for just a second. Mm. Mm. I'm out for a praise break. Mm. When you start eating something that's good, it produces something inside of you that wants more. When you're tasting something that comes straight from the tables of heaven, you don't have to ask me if I want more. The only thing that keeps me from eating more is my desire to wear my pants tomorrow and not have to buy bigger size. Because you see, When you taste the goodness. Mm. I know we're talking about a donut here, but just hold with me just a second. When you taste the goodness of what's available. Mm. oh, See, I know someone's starting to feel it. When you realize what's available. Don't kill me. You want one? There you go. See, when you start to understand and realize what's available to you, I need to come over here and you all need some anointing over here. See, my reaction can produce a reaction in others around me. How I, how I respond to what I'm eating. Come on, brother, there's three left. Come on, somebody. Man, oh wait a minute! This guy right here—I mean, he is—he is working hard. He just took one, and another one. Make sure his 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 lady sitting next to him had one. That is a nice guy right there. That's a nice guy. Oh, please, a second. You see. The Bible says in Proverbs, to the fool's soul, they loathe the honeycomb. To those that are hungry, you can't make it taste good enough. For those that are, that are, that are hungry, you can't have enough bells and whistles to make it good enough for them. All they're going to do is just sit back and yawn and say, well, that's cool, that's neat. But the Bible says, to the hungry man, to the hungry man, even the most bitter things are sweet. You know what that tells me? How I react in service tells the level of my hunger, because if I sit back and I'm waiting for God to pull a rabbit out of the hat to appease me, that's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what I do, you're not going to be satisfied because you're not hungry. But for those who walk in here and there's a hunger down in your soul, you don't care what song's being sung. You don't care what's being preached. All you know is, I know there's something that's available in this place today. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care how I get it. I don't care. Hey, notice. I'm done Notice it it wasn't one person that apologized to anybody that came up and got one of them donuts It wasn't one of those people that cheaply said I'm sorry. I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm just gonna go up No, it was like there's something up there I want it you can sit there if you want and yawn, but I'm gonna get one because I'm getting it before it's gone So you know what you can sit there and be in your religious and say, well, you know what? I don't want to do anything because I might get I might get embarrassed. I might. But there's somebody that said, "Listen, there's a box of Holy Ghost available to me. I don't care what you do, how you react. But there's something in my heart today. I've got to get Jesus." in with me. You want a move of God in your life? You want something fresh to move in your life? God's not going to take his precious blessing, his precious anointing, and pour it out on the full. Because if he does, all it's going to do is fall to the ground. If I would have fed you guys, fed everybody in here a full meal, and walked in here with these donuts, some of you would have been like, you know what? I'd probably eat one, but I'm so full. The bishop is very tactful in how he approaches dinner. Because when he sits down at a restaurant or dinner, the first thing he does is he goes to the dessert menu to choose his dessert. And based on his choice of dessert, he determines how much he can eat. Because he doesn't want to eat so much. By the time he gets the dessert, he doesn't have any more room like, left. He's very smart on that, very smart. If he goes to a cafeteria... He'll always go to the dessert part first. Load up on that, and then if he has any room left, he'll go get some other healthy food. Because you see, if you're fooled today, there's nothing I can say to you that can satisfy you. I'm just going to say this. Not a defense of me. I'm not. am not trying to be defensive. But if you're bored with preaching, that's because you're so spiritual, you know everything. It's because you're so full, nothing satisfies you. I said this the other day. We were talking, I told somebody, you know what? I'm so tired, and I mean this. And I, I'll, I'll be totally transparent. Sometimes I feel so much pressure on me. I've allowed myself, I, I've gotten past it. But for a while, I put myself under so much pressure to try to try to dig deeper in the word of god to come up with something to bring before you because i knew some of you you just you weren't you weren't even you know you needed something deep to get you out of your seat and i put so much pressure on myself to dig and i'm digging i'm i'm digging trenches trying to find stuff and and still you just sit there like well that that's that's neat that's great But there's so much. There's something he said about sitting next to somebody and and, and not even tell them. They don't even know there's 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 a there's a Genesis and a Revelation. You just reach across the table and you say, "Listen, you just want to know this. Jesus loves you." And in that moment of saying Jesus loves you, their eyes start to tear up. You know Jesus knows where you are right now. He cares about you. And in that moment, tears start to flow down. That's some great revelation that we all haven't heard before. But in their hunger even the most simple thing sounds beautiful sometimes the fundamental of getting back to a hunger where all i hear is you know what jesus loves me oh oh yeah sure yeah i've heard that a thousand times yeah sure jesus loves me great now what are you gonna do for me today jesus loves me oh yeah well you don't know where i'm living so you know what what good does that do me today but you know He loves me and knows where I'm at. Sometimes just that to the hungry person is all I need to know. What we talked about today, just to be able to lift my hands in the presence of God and just feel him come and just kind of embrace me with his presence. Just that alone can satisfy that hunger in me. I I don't want anyone to respond today. Not because I don't want you to respond, because sometimes we respond out of emotion and not out of a heart. But right where you're standing for a moment, I want you to be honest with God just for a moment. We're done. But just be honest with God this, this morning and say, God, I've allowed some hunger in me to, to, to drift away. I've allowed some hunger to, to wane. God, I'm praying today that you would, would release in me a fresh hunger. Can you tell that to the Lord today? Come on, can you ask them that? If this, if this body of believers would get a hold of a fresh hunger for God, we wouldn't be able to stop church because there would be such a desire and God would move such a, in such a great way. But God is not an entertainer. He's not going to show up to a, a bunch of people that aren't hungry just to show off for a little while to entertain us for an hour and a half so we can walk away going, well, that was cool, that was neat. but. He is interested in meeting the needs of the hungry. He said in Isaiah, for those that are depressed, for the downtrodden, for those that are overwhelmed, and those that are in despair, destitute, if you would seek water, seek for water, seek for water. I'm going to take your place of despair, your place of destitute, and in that, I'm going to create something beautiful. I'm going to create fountains of water, trees and fruit and life right in the midst. He may not change your circumstance today. I can't tell you today that, that God's going to just totally change your circumstance and you're not going to be in where you are today, but I'm telling you today, He can take your wilderness and make a garden. He can take your desert and create a pool and how does it happen? It happens because there's something inside of you that desires God. I'm thirsty for you. I'm, for you. I'm desperate 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 for you. I need you. Can we just tell them that right now in this moment? Can you ask, tell the Lord that? Say, Lord, I need you. Come on, you and Jesus for five seconds. Come on, we... We've talked about it. Now let's put it into practice. Tell them that. Tell them that. I need you. Come and quench this thirsting. Bread of heaven. heaven. As we close, can you sing this? I lift it up. Natural hunger in this place today. By the power of the Spirit, I lose hunger in this place. I lose hunger to move in this place. In the name of Jesus, I lose the spirit of hunger. I lose the spirit of hunger on every heart and every mind, every soul in this place. Break us, Lord, out of our shackles of, of complacency, of passivity. God, let there be a hunger moving us today. Oh, fill us today. Fill us today, come on, sing it as a prayer one more time. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven. sing that one more time with eyes closed and hands raised. Those that would do this. Here's my cup, Lord. Come on, that's it. It's a prayer. It's not just a song. It's a prayer. This thirsty. say this as I close here that sometimes God in his grace and his mercy will leave us in that desert, in that wilderness until we get hungry enough sometimes we pray for God to get us out of where we are but only because we just don't want to go through it it's not because we really desire him but when your prayer turns away from your need and turns to him that's when he responds god very rarely ever responds when it's the need of the when it's the prayer of the circumstance but he always responds when it's the prayer and the call of him and so many times in your situation you may be praying god you got to do something here and, and you feel like well god you're not listening where are you at god maybe he's leaving you there in that place in his mercy to you. You think, well, God, you're if you're merciful, you'd get me out of here. No, no, no. His mercy keeps us there because his mercy will leave us there until we strip away everything and we decide, realize, you know what, God, you're the only thing that I need. We like, I like, there's a lot of things I like. There's a lot of things I desire. But in a place where there is no water, all that stuff goes out the window. I just need one thing. Just give me water. And there's a lot of things in our life that we allow to take the place of God and God will put us in the place to strip all that away so that we come back to say, God, you and you alone is all I need. Praise God. Amen. God bless you once again. Thank you to all the fathers. God bless every father in here today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Church is tonight at 6 o'clock. If you're not doing anything with your family, I encourage you to come back and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.